this is the Sharp Bend Podcast. I'm Ashley, the creator of the show. You guys, this is super exciting news. Today's episode has been sponsored by the Garmin InReach Mini Satellite Communicator. And as we've discovered on this show, adventuring can be a dangerous endeavor. With the Garmin InReach Mini, there's great comfort in knowing that home is a button pressed away with global two-way messaging, SOS alerts, and more. The communicator's lightweight, compact design makes it an easy choice to bring along on your next expedition. Explore confidently with Garmin. And guess what? To kick off this new three-month partnership, we are giving away an InReach Mini. So stay tuned to the end of the episode to learn how you can enter to win. This episode is also supported by the brand new Wilderness Medicine Reference app. Wilderness Medicine Reference is an offline application that gives extensive information regarding the assessment, treatment, evacuation, and prevention strategies for common traumatic injuries, medical conditions, and environmental illnesses encountered while recreating in the backcountry. In addition, it contains extensive content addressing subjective decision-making errors and their influence in backcountry accidents, as well as providing checklist functions which attempt to ritualize and structure decision-making around this vexing problem. Download this important app today. I have had many guests tell me that better communication could have helped prevent their accident, so I was stoked when Rocky Talkie reached out. Rocky Talkies are backcountry radios designed by a small team of climbers from Denver. These radios are lightweight, waterproof, durable, and the most cost-efficient radios on the market. The battery life is impressive, too. They're great for backcountry skiing, rock climbing, caravanning on road trips, splitting up backcountry groups, etc. If you need a radio for your backcountry use, check these out. Rocky Talkie wants to hook you up with a 10% discount to keep you safe in the backcountry. Make sure to use code SHARPEND at rockytalkie.com to get 10% off your radios and to support this podcast. Thank you so much to my ongoing partners, the American Alpine Club and Desert Mountain Medicine. Jess and Erica embarked on a traverse in the summer of 2020 on Vancouver Island in Canada. They chose a route that few people do. A few things went wrong along the way, and they ended up getting rescued before they made it out the other side. I have both Jess and Erica here to tell you their tale. Hi, uh, my name's Jess, and I use they, them pronouns. And right now I'm living on Vancouver Island in British Columbia, Canada. Um... I work in marketing full-time, but when I'm not working, I really love the outdoors. Um, I've gotten to trail running recently and skiing and climbing and mountaineering and all that stuff just uh, makes me super happy. My name is Erica. My pronouns are she, her. Um, and of course, I also live on Vancouver Island with Jess. I've been on the island for about 12 years. Uh, I grew up in New Brunswick. Um, I really, really like British Columbia and I plan on staying here for quite a long time. Um, and then kind of my loves, uh, out here are the mountains and what I really love is, uh, mountaineering and rock climbing. But my, my biggest love is really, uh, ski mountaineering and ski touring. So anything that can get me out into the snow and the powder is, uh, really what I love. We're feeling kind of burnt out from COVID and we weren't up for the kind of usual, um, kind of mountaineering objectives we would usually do. So we thought we'd do something more relaxing, um, and that, uh, it was not, it was not relaxing, uh, but that was what we tried to do. <laughs> yeah. We, we thought it would be, well, we understood that it would be mountains, but we thought it, of it more of a backpacking trip, but what it really turned out to be was quite a few days of, um, solid lo- mountaineering, very long days, very, um, 
intense uh with using a lot of our skills and navigation and mapping and um yeah it was uh quite an experience geographically where is this epic what happened like where where did this all take place um because it was covid we weren't supposed to be traveling so it was right um, at home on vancouver island and um Vancouver Island, for people who don't know where it is, is a large island kind of off the coast, um, kind of near Seattle or Vancouver. And um, people kind of know us for like our beaches and surfing. But in the middle of the island are these like really wild, um, remote uh, mountain ranges with like glaciers and snow. So we have some like serious mountains on the island. Okay. And what's the mountain range that you were in? So our plan was to cross basically again across a series of ridges uh, to basically traverse this a very large park in central Vancouver Island. And what was the park called? This was called Strathcona Provincial Park. Strathcona Provincial Park on Vancouver Island. Okay, cool. Um, and how long was the route initially supposed to be? Uh, we this is um, a route that people don't do very often. Um, I think maybe a couple people try it a year. So we thought it might take six or seven days. It was 80 kilometers um, and had eight mountains in it. Uh, but we brought food for eight days and we had time for eight days. Day one was pretty casual. Um, the first day that we hiked uh, was in the start of the park where um, it's a clearly marked trail. It's where a lot of people travel. Um, it's really in that area where like day hikers and overnight back hikers would have a casual experience. Um, the weather was okay. It was, it was warm. Um, it was overcast. It kind of, um, deteriorated towards the end of the day. Um, but yeah, the first day was, is quite, um, quite sort of, uh, casual and pretty low key and we were feeling pretty good. Um, so we, hiked. we did have people stopping us though. Like that was a funny thing. They, people mm-hmm. were saying, where are you going with all that stuff? Cause we had ice axes, we had, <laughs> yeah. rope, we had crampons, we had, you know, 80 liter bags filled with food and people are like, you don't need to do that to climb, you know, the mountain everyone's climbing. We're like, that's not where we're going. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it was, it was super <laughs> fun to get questioned a lot. And, um, people were very intrigued with what we were doing. Um, but we were stopped by almost, I think everybody we passed and it, it did get to the point where I was like, okay, I'm ready to be on the adventure now because I'm kidding. Yeah. We're explaining to everybody and I, no, no, we're, we're going to be crossing over glaciers and stuff. So, um, but people, it just goes to show like people really don't go beyond, um, the hiking trails that are laid out in the park. So we were really venturing into territory that is very unfamiliar to, um, um, the average person visiting the park. It was, yeah, it's pretty mellow. The first, I guess the thing to know on this trip is that um, we kind of knew a lot. I had a sense that something was going to go wrong from the beginning. Um, so some oh. people stopping us told us, oh, you're not going to make it. That was a really common opinion. And they had no information to know if we would make it or not, but that didn't feel good. But then the morning of the second day, um, I did a total rookie mistake and I unpegged the tent um, before like kind of collapsing it. So our tent blew down a cliff and I had to like jump on it to get it. And when we had pulled it back, it was like covered in holes and we used all of our repair tape to fix it. So like, it was just sort of like an ominous start to the trip. <laughs> yeah. That's the morning of day two. Morning of day two. Yeah. Our, our tent is full of holes. And I actually said to Erica, you know, like, should we turn around? Like, cause we knew some of the weather would be iffy. So we were like, can this tent hold up to the weather? And 
she was like, yeah, sure, let's go. Let's just <laughs> stop. I think I was very optimistic. Uh, I was so excited to be on this adventure, but it is a sign when, uh, it, it, you know, you have those gut feelings where your, your three-season tent just got shredded, used every piece of repair tape before you even got started. And then, you know... it. it so we're like, okay, well, we repaired it. Like, let's go ahead. But there is this little right. bit of feeling in your stomach the, the next morning, and you're like looking at the weather, and you're hoping for the best. It is the summer; it's supposed to be really nice, and um, you're like, well, it'll hold up. Let's go. <laughs> and and right. then I would say that what happened kind of next is that we kind of left the park where most people are, and again, immediately, um, like I knew there would be scrambling and navigating involved, but it was sort of like almost cliffs we were down climbing in 80 liter packs and we're pretty confident scramblers and climbers so it was okay I was just like this got really serious really fast yeah absolutely it was uh, quite a steep climb into our, our, our next uh, campsite what kind of train was it was it talus or was it big boulder fields I would definitely say like talus and scree yeah so yeah we'd be really careful that stuff wasn't like sliding on us yeah, it kind of transitioned into uh, boulders as we moved across the scree. The, the scree was the scariest part, of course, because it was very loose and easy to knock stuff down. And it was quite steep. Yeah, we made it across. So then the end of night two, um, we're doing okay. And we, but we, for when we woke up the next day, we literally had nowhere to go. Like, uh, I, have to, I have to say, because people don't do this route very often, we didn't have a GPS track that we were following. Um, so we, what we had done is on Google Maps before we left, we mapped out according to the guidebook and kind of flying around Google maps where we thought we would go. Um, and so we had some key GPS kind of coordinates from our guidebook where we were supposed to end. Um, so that's all we had is we knew where we were supposed to be. Um, so, and luckily Erica was great at navigating. I don't know. I felt totally lost. (laughs) We, um, on the second day, we quickly ran out of evidence of any human life and, um, I, I, we knew where we needed to get to, but there was no clear path. And we, we kind of ended up where we thought we needed to go up. And I was convinced on this one route. And there really was no sign of human evidence or uh, animals moving this direction. And we, we called through kind of these, uh, pulled our way up through these steep sort of alders and then uh, climbed up sort of a, a bit of a, a small stream up to a ridge. And that was the right path. Um, but we definitely kind of like, took maybe an hour or more trying to figure out like if we should go that route if it was right there's no evidence uh you know we don't have a gps track we just have to try it and one of the fears of course is like if we go down the wrong way and we waste a bunch of time we we can't do this traverse like we will have well if we spend too much time going the wrong directions it'll make us turn around and so you kind of like felt this pressure to figure out the right path but that happened to be the right path and, and it did feel good to to select that right path and to figure it out but it really was real we realized how much time we were going to be spending uh navigating and how we knew it was the right path was we found our only summit register would you say erica and that's the only one we saw oh at the top yeah yeah and the last person there's only been one other person who signed it that year um yeah and so that so on day, this was day three, we actually did three mountains and the mountain ranges in Vancouver Island are about 2000 meters tall, give or take. Um, so we did three 2000 meter mountains uh, over that day. Um, and I think we had a really scary moment that day too, where we were kind of, again, coming down this kind of talus field. Um, 
and it looked super like it was going to be okay. Um, and we were carefully making our way down this talus field and, um, rock started falling, um, above us. Like it must've been disturbed, you know, like half an hour before, and then just started moving. It wasn't right near us. And, um, I tried to push, uh, Erica out of the way and I like screamed rock. And, and instead of like her going the way I, I saw the rock, like to safety, um, she actually, I don't know what instinct just came at the rock. And so I saw a huge rock, like fly by her head. Um, and luckily she didn't, get hurt but it was definitely like very traumatic experience on day three. Oh, close call for sure why did the rock come loose was it because you guys were walking across the scree and the scree got loose above you or is it maybe some melt freeze or, or something well, like that the 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 slope that we came down um was really quite steep and, and it was all talus uh, scree um and it was very loose and easy to set free we carefully navigated our way down um, so like it, it just had no snow left on it. There was nothing holding it there. Very loose, easy to come free. And I feel like one of the mistakes that we made here was actually traversing back under the path that we had already walked because that was where the rock fall came. And and I still have flashbacks of like I I saw the rocks go. I think there were two of them that came down within an inch on either side of me, and I, I can still see them today. Like uh, I have a clear image and flashbacks of like the rocks um just like out of the corner of my eye seeing them come down and so uh, we kept going and i'd say by that night into the next morning i was actually feeling pretty afraid because we were in now the middle of the park um where very few human beings ever go um and then um yeah so it was definitely kind of spooky <laughs> it was spooky too because looking back at the slope that we came down because you know you we're still at a point where we could make it back but one of the things is like I wanted to push on because like, I'm like, there's no way it can get worse than this. We're not going back up that scree slope. I, I don't want to go back up there. I nearly died. Like, let's just push on. It'll get better. Look at this nice, smooth traverse. Let's keep going. <laughs> Which, yeah. Yeah. There's and, more to come. <laughs> yeah. So like our night three was pretty nice. I mean, other than being terrified. So we had like a nice swim in a giant tarn and it was just like really beautiful sunset and, so trying to stay positive on night three. Yeah, it was absolutely beautiful and gorgeous yeah. views. I would love to be back there. On the morning of day four, we got up really early because we had heard this was like the worst navigation day. Um, but it actually turned out okay because we had like great information from the guidebook. And also we could follow elk. So we got the elk back. Um, so it was really cool to follow like the little, we saw the little elf print, the elk prints in the sand, you know. Um, and so it was really cool. <laughs> I actually found that to be one of the interesting parts about this traverse is as we kept moving through it, um, we could see that really we were following wherever the animals walked. You could always see these evidence of the elk. And oftentimes we were just following their little paths across uh, this park because it was it's the path of least resistance. So oftentimes, although later on it turned out to not be a good path, but like oftentimes... Um, the animals are following the easiest way to walk. So really <laughs> we were following animal trails a lot. Yeah. Game trails are, are really quite handy. <laughs> they were very yeah. handy. Mm -hmm. It was just so magical. I was like, I'm a little animal in the forest. Yeah. Um, I, I remember at one point we were coming down a steep, another steep sort of scree and we just like kind of pacing back and forth, pacing back and forth. Like, how are we going to get down this? And I was like, no, I can see the animals went through here. And I was just like, so I went for Jess. I was like, you're not going to go through all those 
it was like cedar little cedar trees i was like no no i'm going through there it's really steep i can grab on i went through and i just laughed and said i'm a bear and i'm like i'm a bear and i just sort of like made my way through these in the middle of nowhere and screamed i'm a bear and just like got through this steep steep like scree slope and i said see we just gotta follow the animals it's all good (laughs) you're totally right yeah and that that kind of took us at the end of night four um and i think we checked the weather in our garmin if i do recall and we saw that bad weather was coming oh yeah <laughs> and so we set up our after erica screened i'm a bear uh we decided not to go any further and kind of set our tent up and we knew from our garmin that what weather was coming so we set up in like a really sheltered spot and kind of hunkered into bed and then we could see like the clouds coming in and the temperature was dropping and as we're falling to sleep, the rain and the wind was starting and it was like shaking our three season tent. <laughs> that remember is completely duct taped together at this point. The rain went on for, it seemed like forever. I probably wasn't as long as like I thought, but it felt like hours and it's just laying there and the way that it was pounding on our. I was bracing floor. it. I was like holding the walls up. I was like, please stay up little tent. <laughs> We definitely reached the limitations of the equipment we were using. And uh, you know what, though? Our repair tape stayed together. That little tent held up. Uh, we were totally fine. Yeah. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Good job on the field repair. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And so the next morning, um, there's a couple ways to go from the guidebook. And um, we'd actually spent some time uh, kind of scouting out the night before which way to go. And so we had found a really nice kind of like gentle way down. Um, and I would say, uh, this is where we got to like kind of the gem of the park where I was most excited and it's called Reese Ridge. And it's a place where just very few humans go because it's in the center of the park. It has two of the tallest mountains on the island. So, um, we were able to walk up this ridge up snow finally for the first time and, um, like the sky cleared so we could see like these beautiful, like glacial lakes and glaciers and snow and no humans. And it was just um stunning and um we're like you know we've made it we've made it to some of the tallest mountains on the island as we keep crossing this um kind of traverse uh again it's just the weather's getting nicer it's warmer and I'm like you know we're more than halfway through like yes we didn't like make any mistakes this is so great oh I did feel like we made it it's just like I felt so rewarded to be there and that's when (laughs) Um, Erica says, oh no, really quietly. Yeah. So I said, oh no, because I put my mountaineering boot into a perfectly kind of square rock hole, I'll call it, which locked my foot in one direction. And of course I'm carrying a back that's like 60 or 70 pounds, something ridiculous, like 60 or 70. We didn't weigh it. I don't want to know. It was like 60 or 70 pounds. You had a rope and like mountaineering gear. Yeah. Tons of stuff. And yeah, food. And food, food, yeah. food for, you know, eight days. So I turned my body one way and my foot stayed um, forward and I felt some something tear move or something didn't feel right. So where like, in your in your knee? Yeah, right in my knee. And so um, we stopped at that point. Uh, I, I, like I could hobble on it. We talk, took a break and then I kind of like, you know, it's stepping down stuff was hurting um so we took a break Did you have trekking poles yeah we had trekking poles those were really integral to the whole trip so i had those and so i could still hobble along um 
like I think with knee injuries, sometimes it takes a while for the swelling and stuff to set in. So uh, it was it was okay. We put a tensor bandage on it. I took some Advil right away just to sort of like um, see if I could mitigate any swelling or anything like that and, and decided, okay, well, I can hobble along. But it was another thing that went wrong and my knee, well, to this day is still not right. So um, it was a serious knee injury, but um, not so serious that I couldn't hobble along on it. So we, we thought we'd just keep going because we were like, well, we can't turn around. Um, so let's just try to get out of here. And so um, we keep going across this ridge and then we can see kind of the end of our traverse, like the last complicated section. And this is where we kind of have eyes on this complicated thing we were supposed to do. We we're supposed to circumnavigate this little like lake and then go up this steep kind of slope. And we were hoping we'd have snow on it, but it was all scree. We could see. Your favorite. Yeah. And so we, and there's no snow around the lake either. So we said, you know, um, we're not going to go that route. We're going to take like a easier, <laughs> a way that we thought would be easier. Um, Cause we had that from the guidebook um, that we could go um, kind of skip that part and just make it a bit shorter. And we'd miss one of the mountains at this point, that doesn't matter. Um, so uh, that was our plan was to kind of just forget that. Let's just go um, take this shortcut and, and skip that whole tricky part. Yeah. And we got to that point and we said, okay, well, there's still some light in the day. And we started to try to navigate our way to the spot where we thought would be great camping. And um, that's when we ran into navigation problems. So that it was getting late in the day, but we still felt we had some time to get to where we wanted to be. And so we started to navigate our way to this um, flat spot by the lake. And there was really only one way down. And right away, we started getting cliffed out everywhere we looked. And so I definitely got a little bit maniacal. I am very determined, very stubborn. My knee doesn't hurt at all anymore because my body's just full of adrenaline. I know You're that like I was, flying. You're flying. flying. I can barely around. keep up with you. Yeah. yeah, flying around. and like That is kind of like not always the best part of me when I get like focused on something I would just like go for it go for it go for it when really we probably should have just like settled down put our tent up but I really wanted to get there and figure it out but we kept getting cliffed out um Erica finally was like I'm pretty sure we need to climb down this waterfall that's how it works and the guidebook just said strike downhill that was the that was the end of the direction so we thought we'd just hike down the hill um so we were not expecting to like propel down a cliff even though we had a rope um, so Erica's, we had like kind of down climbed this waterfall that was pretty tricky climbing. Um, she's like, you know, if we just keep going, we'll get there. And at this point it's like 9 PM at night. It's pretty dark. And I was like, Erica, we can't do that right now. Like what if we fall or get stuck? Like we have, we have to just try again tomorrow. So we kind of climbed back up the waterfall and, and camped there. Yeah. And that's when we started discussing our options for the next day. And we thought actually we would go look at the lake. Um, we were, yeah, not too, so sure about how we were going to navigate the next day. So that was definitely on our, our mind. And at this point, we were really worried about our batteries and, and we had, had brought like extra battery backs and stuff like that. But I think at one point we've lost the paper maps. We thought they were gone and so you're panicking about that a little bit. Um, and but we found them again. <laughs> we did find them again. Um, and so we were really studying the paper maps that we brought. And, you know, uh, if I had to go back and do some, yeah, something, I would always have more paper with me. The electronics were starting to 
it, we had lots of energy, like, like lots of battery saved in our garment and stuff, but we definitely didn't want to like waste it. And we so, had, and we had paper, but then we thought we lost the paper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so we were kind of like studying the paper maps and trying to figure out what we could do and looking a little bit of our, our electronics um, and then ha- having to kind of sleep on that, knowing that we didn't figure it out that night. So not a lot of sleep. I think, and we also knew the weather was going to be horrible the next day. That was actually another part that made me so aggressive to try to find a way that night because I knew that the rain was coming and it would be way harder to see in any more whiteouts or anything like that. So I was like really determined to find that way um, before the weather came in. And of course, the weather did come in overnight. Yeah, we kind of woke up and got dressed in the rain the next morning and... Our plan, we decided that we would try the waterfall one more time. And if that didn't work, we'll try our original route one more time. And if that didn't work, uh, it was time to use our brand new Garmin. (laughs) And so we tried the waterfall again, down climbing this slippery waterfall in the rain. And again, we have a rope, we have harnesses, but we can't figure out how to repel. Like we can't find anything. Safely anyway, there were steep heather that was really slippery. Yeah, and um, I was like, I do not want a long line search and rescue, helicopter rescue, so we're not going to do this. And so then we kind of went back to our original route we thought was too dangerous. Um, and long story short, that didn't go either. <laughs> yeah, we well, we yeah, we went and and we had already spent half the day trying to get back down this waterfall, and decided to go back to the other route. And now, of course, we're we're getting shorter and shorter on the days to complete this and and um resources we definitely can't go back at this point um so we and had your, a- your knee's doing a lot worse like the adrenaline's gone so you're definitely hopping a bit more it was hopping a bit more yep so. yeah and so in the pouring rain um that's when we decided to press the sos button i was wet and cold i think if the weather had been different we might have been able to figure some other things out, but all of but the also, rocks. Also, you were hopping. I was hopping. <laughs> this is where we differ on. Uh, I'm very. Erica wanted to hop out of there, but I was like, I'm glad you didn't permanently damage your knee. <laughs> right. So, so you in that moment you decided. So you've got your Garmin in reach. Is yeah. that what it was? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have your Garmin in reach, and then you decide to press the, the SOS, SOS button. button. Yeah. And this is the first trip this device went on. Um, so we're feeling real clever for bringing it with us. That's for sure. Yes, I'm, I'm feeling really clever and I'm a little bit concerned. I'd, we've always had some sort of a PLB device before, but um, uh, to have a two-way communication device, I think is imperative. There should be no other way because um, we did need that in this situation and we're able to communicate in a way that we wouldn't have been able to with other devices. And um, uh, it's, it kind of scares me that I didn't have one before and it's kind of amazing. The first trip, this, this poor little garment too, it just looks, it's, it's all scratched and beat to crap. It looks like we've had it for 10 years because it was on the outside of my pack the whole time. And it's just like, it definitely has a story to tell already, but um, yeah. So we press the button. Yeah. We pressed the button and it connected us to Garmin in Texas. And then pretty quickly they connected us to the local search and rescue. And so then we start to text with the local search and rescue and this is why I love the two-way communication device so much is because um, we, we explain to them what happened. You know, we're on a traverse. We can't go back. We can't go forward. Um, and they said, can you hang out till tomorrow? Because the weather was so bad. 
yes, I said, oh, we could be here for two or three more days. And um, they were like, just like, okay, great. We'll come get you tomorrow at 9 a.m. I was like, that's super fast. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, yeah, it was so great that they were able to connect us to um, um, the local um, the local SARS team. It was so easy to communicate. And if we didn't have that two-way communication, we would have left SARS with not knowing what it was or how serious the emergency was. Like Jess said, like it was totally fine for us to stay the night. And of course, Jess had a plan uh, with a best friend. Um, they reached out to Jess's best friend um, and was able to communicate that way too. So uh, yeah, the person who had our trip plan, yeah, that was going to call if we didn't have the Garmin. Yeah, so they called her and, and told her we're being rescued. <laughs> yeah, it was really yeah. quite amazing. And, and yeah. it's so reassuring to be able to say, uh, yeah, we're okay, but we're stuck. So you gave you actually gave a, your trip plan prior to leaving for the Traverse to a friend of yours? Yeah, I gave it to my good friend, and um, she's really familiar with the island, and I kind of sent her exactly what we were doing, and if we didn't come back by a certain day, she was going to call for help. And she was also my Garmin emergency contact, so then she knew that <laughs> we were stuck. So so the helicopter flies in the next day yes. and rescues you both? Yes, yeah. And they, um, I have to say, it's a beautiful part of the park that you're actually not allowed to fly a helicopter recreationally. So once they saw we were totally fine, um, they were definitely, I don't think they had a bad morning. So what was the uh, prognosis with your knee? Uh, like just like a twist, like a sprain. Um, but then I went off to physio because uh, I couldn't run anymore. Like uh, it took a couple months before I, I, I regularly run. Um, and so I couldn't run for a couple months. So I ended up in physio. Uh, I'm still supposed to get a knee scan. It's still, um, it feels like either a meniscus tear or something is going on with it. I can run now, but uh, every once in a while it does act up. So there's not like a final prognosis on it, except for that it was sprained and it may have some tear or something, but um Definitely. You're mostly good now. It just sticks sometimes. You'll be like, oh, something's stuck, and you know, wiggle it, and it'll unstick. And I was so glad the helicopter came instead of you going out onto your own power, because after the helicopter dropped us off by our car, um, Erica hopped, like actually hopped now that the adrenaline was gone, to the car. So I was definitely really glad they came. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> could. I couldn't walk on it after they, they dropped me off. It was very difficult for sure. Did you wrap it in the field and... Mm -hmm. We were, yeah. yeah, we were well prepared with first aid supplies and, um, we were able to get a tensor bandage on it. And, uh, of course the trekking poles were, were very important too. And, um, yeah, we used, uh, quite a few little supplies out of that little kit. It's very, very useful to have, a, 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 you, you, all those little supplies in the first aid kit are very handy and good to have, especially, yeah. especially if you're traveling with me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what were the lessons learned um, from this accident? Yeah, uh, I think the biggest lesson learned for us is that we did not take this traverse seriously enough um, or a traverse in general seriously enough. So any traverse I do in the future, I'm going to plan escape routes. Um, we, oh, yeah. We didn't mm -hmm. have escape routes because I could not imagine not finishing. Um, so I think that if we had more escape routes, we might have done that instead of carrying on after the first couple of bad things happened. Um, but I would say after Erica hurt her knee, it was kind of not, it's like a moot point at that point. But if we had to plan them out, there are definitely some other traverse is that were shorter that we could have uh, 
done. And if we had those in our mind, we, we weren't even thinking about that. We were just thinking about our one route to get to the end to go that direction. But if we had alternatives, uh, you know, we might have made the decision, go, oh, we're, this is taking way too long. We've destroyed our tent, kind of. We had this rock fall. Things are going wrong. Maybe we should go out this ridge. But we didn't even have, we didn't even prepare that as an option. So if we had of, um, we might have elected to do that sooner. Um, I think another lesson for us, we've kind of talked about it, but just how important a two-way communication rescue device is. Because as Erica said, we did have a personal locator beacon, which of course you can press an SOS button, um, but you can't talk to anyone back and forth. And so to me, I would have just had a hard time hitting an SOS button when I wasn't in a crisis. Um, but because we had a two-way device where you could text search and rescue, we could say, you know, we're, we need help. We know we need help, but we don't want to um, turn this into a crisis. I don't know if I could have pressed like a that SOS button on a PLB because like we're not dying <laughs> yet. Uh, yeah, I it would have been a definitely more stubborn decision to press that button for me. Like if 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 I couldn't tell the people what was going on and and let allow them to plan at the reasonable pace that we did plan to get out of there. And we heard that from search and rescue afterwards it's in you know you did the right thing you came prepared to wait for two days you called us before it was a crisis I would say that's kind of a lesson in and of, of itself for me is just like I, I do feel good about the decision we made to press the button at the time that we did when it wasn't a crisis versus mm-hmm. there's always this like oh well I'm not dying I need to keep trying I need to keep going um before it became a real serious crisis and emergency um because we really struggled with, should we have climbed down that waterfall in the rain? <laughs> and, you know, I, I really think there's a chance we could have ended up um, in, a, in a crisis if we had done that. Or we could have made it. But, you know, um, I think not doing that was the right decision. Yeah, I mean, you tried it a couple of times and it, and it wasn't going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah, just everything about the water was making everything so slippery. And then, of course, we're wet and cold, too, because um, I mean, we're wearing waterproof layers, but it was really quite horrible with the rain coming down on us and trying to navigate. Like, really, you need to sit there for a couple or another day for, for it to clear up and dry. But I think that's my last, le- I don't know if it's the last, but my other lesson learned was that we knew the weather was off and on, and that's why we didn't pick... Um, something more, what we thought would be more challenging. Um, We thought we could kind of do this with one or two bad weather days. And um, I will definitely think differently when I see one or two bad bad weather days in a week. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. The, The amount of rain that comes down in the mountains versus what you see on the weather report seems to be exponentially larger. So I <laughs> uh, will always <laughs> take, it's good in the winter because it means snow, but in the snow, summer yeah. when you're getting hammered with um, water. Or like a three-day trip, you know, if you're like, oh shoot, it's a lot worse than we thought it was. Too bad, go home. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah three, millimeters. When you're, yeah, three millimeters feels like 30 millimeters when you're doing a traverse. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, 
I've done a lot of traverses and a lot of backpacking, and I used to sort of scoff at umbrellas until I bought the Go Light umbrella, oh, which I don't nice. think they make those anymore. Mm-hmm. But I started bringing an umbrella in the field with me, and let me tell you, it was a game changer with mm. staying dry and just generally your morale was yeah. just better, you know, yeah. with yeah. an umbrella in the yeah. field. Morale That's is very important. Mor- mor- it is. Have, yeah, well, we kept saying morale is low. Morale is low. <laughs> but you know what we did? The night we got rescued, because the night we got rescued, or the night before we got rescued, morale was very low. And so I actually made like poutine, which of course Canadians know what it is. I don't know if American listeners will. Yeah, um, yeah, we know what it yeah, is. Yeah. So we made like <laughs> we made like mashed potatoes, gravy, and cheese, and that made morale much higher. We call this the backcountry poutine for anybody who wants to learn more about that. It's it's delicious. <laughs> Brings up morale instantly. <laughs> that is hilarious. We're ready for another traverse and <laughs> we're going to plan things a little bit differently, but uh, we're excited um, yeah, to get out there and get after yeah. more adventures. Uh, it uh, certainly doesn't slow us down. It just, uh, it just makes us stronger and um, we're, you know, we've learned from it and we can move forward into some, some more interesting uh, uh, trips. Yeah. I say one thing I learned after this, cause I wrote a blog post about this and um, a lot of, you know, a number of people end up reading it. So a lot of people told me that they've been rescued, but were too ashamed to talk about it. So I think that um, the one thing I just leave is that, you know, like your whole podcast is actually is just like, we shouldn't be shaming people. Um, we should be like listening and learning from each other. Um, and so um, if anyone feels comfortable t- telling even just their friends about their rescues, I think that would do a lot to help change the culture around um, kind of asking for help. Thank you so much to Jess and Erica for being on the Sharpen podcast. And to get their secret backcountry morale boosting poutine recipe, head on over to my Patreon website and become a subscriber. Thank you to Rocky Talkie, Garmin, Wilderness Medicine Reference App, Desert Mountain Medicine, and the American Alpine Club for supporting my show. Introducing membership 2.0 from the American Alpine Club. Climbing is inherently risky. But with the enhanced rescue benefits of Membership 2.0, you can tie in a little easier knowing the American Alpine Club is on belay. Say you're climbing and the situation goes south. The newly enhanced Rescue Medical Expanse coverage of Membership 2.0 will get you back to the trailhead, to the nearest hospital, and then pay your insurance deductible or direct medical expenses once you're there. But what if you are unable to phone in the accident yourself, and it's not the AAC who organizes the rescue? Well, they've also created a reimbursement request process to ensure you're not left holding the bill. Learn more at AmericanAlpineClub.org. Desert Mountain Medicine, innovative wilderness medicine training since 1998. DMM offers all women's courses through the Women's Wild Med Program. Wilderness medicine courses for women, taught by women. DMM welcomes all women and girls, transgender and cisgender, as well as non-binary people who identify with the women's community to join the hybrid woofer in July in beautiful Leadville, Colorado. For a 10% discount on this course, use code SHARPWOMEN. Visit DesertMattMedicine.com today. Are you ready? It's giveaway time. Thanks again so much to Garmin InReach for signing on to support the next three episodes of this podcast. Sign up to win the Garmin InReach Mini on Instagram by tagging a friend on the giveaway post and sharing one thing you learned from this episode. I will do the drawing on May 15th. Good luck. Want to show your love for my podcast? 
Follow the Sharp Bend Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. Leave a review on iTunes or become a Patreon subscriber. And as always, play hard and be smart.